my goal for that race is three hours and 46. So I was ambitious. I was happy with myself. I didn't get uptight because I wasn't going to get 346 or anything close to it because it was so humid. That was Rosalind Smith. And this is episode 26 of the Inspired Souls podcast. Hi, I'm Carolyn, and I'm a roadrunner. And I'm Kim, and I'm a trail runner. Welcome to our podcast, where we bring the communities of trail and road running together and explore the parallels between running and life. Rosalind Smith is a 72-year-old roadrunner from Comox, British Columbia, who holds Canadian Masters records in the 8K, half marathon, and marathon. In 2019, she flat out won her 70 to 74 age group at the Boston Marathon, beating her running idol Jeannie Rice by over 10 minutes in a true display of the tortoise and the hare tail. Roz's over 40-year running career began in the Western Arctic where she taught physical education, but it really took off in 2005 when she retired to Comox and had more time to train. In this episode, we discuss her 2019 Boston win, what's changed about the sport and her approach to training as she's gotten older, who's in her support network, and the importance of challenging herself through speed work. Roz is a fierce competitor, but she's also incredibly down to earth. If you've been searching for evidence that we can run strong into our eighth decade of life, look no further than this inspiring interview with the one and only Rosalind Smith. Roz, thank you so much for making the time to be with us today. Welcome to the Inspired Souls podcast. Thank you. I'm uh, very honored to be invited. Yeah, well, we had uh, Dr. Wayne Crow on uh, episode 22, and he's from the Comox Valley Roadrunners, but you are also from the amazing Comox Valley Roadrunners, and I had the pleasure of surrounding myself with you and all of those wonderful people from 2016 to 2018, and you most certainly are a legend in that community, (laughs) but what I maybe didn't fully appreciate when I was there is just how much of a legend you are at the provincial level, the national level, even the international level. And we're going to dig into uh, some of those many records that you hold today. But why don't we start back at the beginning? Can you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Well, my life has been a little bit more, um, I guess, uh, diverse in the sense of where I've moved to in comparison to Wayne. But we retired to Comox in 2005. And um, I lived and worked in the Northwest Territories for 30 years. But I'm originally a blue noser from Halifax, Nova Scotia, graduating from Dalhousie in 1971 with a phys ed degree, physical education. So I played field hockey in high school in Dalhousie and did other sports. But uh, like soccer and and football, running uh, occurred as a a sort of a get-in-shape activity. It wasn't something that you just went out and had fun doing. That wasn't really the concept. But participation was just gaining traction. And that was actually participation started in 1971 at the very year I graduated from Dalhousie. This is Hal and Joanne. Yeah, I was just going to say, <laughs> is this Hal Johnson and Joanne McLeod? There you go. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So then I, I taught four years in, in Nova Scotia and PEI and had every grade level from elementary through to high school. But I was being drawn to Northern Canada 
there were a number of positions open and the person recruiting me said, oh, you'd like a NUVIC. So, okay. Um, I had to be honest, I didn't know the Western Arctic. I kind of knew a Frobisher Bay in the east. So off we I went that August of uh, 1975. I was 27. And it, Anuvik is in the Mackenzie Delta. And it's 125 miles north of the Arctic Circle. You're only about well, another 100 kilometers to the ocean. But when I arrived in, late, in fairly late August, we started school in August, it was snowing. So really, you know, summer was over. <laughs> wow. It was a light snow, but it wasn't terribly welcoming. But I have to say, um, it was the best four years of my teaching career. I only had eight in the end, but um, that's okay. I really enjoyed it. And I was teaching grades seven to 12. The major highlight in Anuvik was cross-country skiing. It um, has a really rich history of cross-country skiing. And I was competing. And also, I, I ran recreationally, just kind of at noon hour. A bunch of us would run mm. around the halls and... <laughs> But I, I moved on to uh, Whitehorse and was there for a year and a half. And that's really where I experienced more distance running. I actually went in the first Whitehorse marathon, and that was 1980. But there was no training as such, a formalized training. I just looked at uh, getting outside to run for an hour and a half to two hours every other day. I, I didn't really have any concept of building up to 42K. Mm-hmm. It was uh, the early days for sure. So at 33, um, I went my first marathon and my time was 3.51. I don't even know if it was all that much of a learning experience. It was something I did. And I certainly felt very stiff afterwards. And I've actually <laughs> felt very stiff after every marathon since. So that, that's not change, not strictly age. Good um, to know. Yeah, yeah, good to know. Um, I opted to want to go back to Anuvik and uh, get involved in the recreation area working for the government. And I did get that job, and it meant I could travel the whole region, and there are 10 communities I I visited. And it was helping the the communities set up recreation committees. I really, I enjoyed it. I was there for another four years, but then it was on to Yellowknife. And uh, from 1985 to 2005, like 20 years, when I was there, I met Bob in Yellowknife in uh, 1991. So getting back to more skiing and running events, relays of an annual marathon, half marathon. I did about um, three marathons in Yellowknife, and I just went back over my uh, some of the old records, and I think I've tossed them, but newspaper clippings and so on. So I don't even have times for those. And and in a way, I don't think they were ac- that accurately measured either, so it's not really all that helpful. <laughs> uh, I couldn't really trust them. In part, I didn't do uh, some of the marathons in Yellowknife because they're held at the end of August. Lastly, I was concentrating on going to Victoria. So my first Victoria marathon was in 2004. And um, I actually placed third, so that was interesting. (laughs) Uh, And then I I went back the next year, 2005, and I came first in that year. I usually was around, once I started uh, doing Victoria, I was usually around three hours and 32. Oh, 2004, I was 3.30, bang on. And so that, to me, seemed to be my benchmark. That was my my best time. So how old were you in 2004? 2004, 56. So your first marathon was at age 33, and you ran at 3.51, was it? Yeah. 
And now, you know, <laughs> decade and a half later, no, two decades, two decades and a half <laughs> later, you're crushing it, like winning and you've knocked 20, 30 minutes off your time. Like, that's amazing. Um, sort of, I guess I was building some endurance over those years, for sure. Of course. I wasn't, yeah. hadn't pounded myself to death <laughs> uh, in terms of my body. And, and, you know, really for quite a number of years, I, was, I just knocked, you know, 332, 33, 34 it's been just a gradual sort of slowing down, but I never had anything that was like 315 or 320. I mean, never. It was, mm-hmm. uh, I think it was really kind of the three and a half. So you've got this kind of later-ish entry into the sport, right? You're 33 years old. You sort of chip away, chip away for the next couple of decades. You get yourself down to, to 330 or 56 years old. Yes. And then you've stayed at it since 2004, just smashing records left, right and center, maybe due to the fact that you just aren't slowing down. Like you you have been able to remain consistent in the sport, right? Yes. And, and not really been sidelined with massive injuries or anything. Exactly. But then in 2019, you outright won your age group, your 70 to 74 age group at the Boston Marathon in a time of 3.53.37. Yes, right. The next Canadian, I looked this up, the next Canadian woman was over 30 minutes behind you. And she's from Calgary. Yeah, uh, I would have to look it up yeah, again. Peach but or something, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. And it was just a stellar performance because when you do the age graded thing, it was like 87.88% age graded performance, which is absolutely unbelievable. But what I wanted to know from you, like breaking four hours in the marathon is a real dream for a lot of people. I coach people that would just kill to break four hours in the marathon, regardless of their age. But to do that on the world stage at 70 years old must have been absolutely incredible. So we'd love to hear all the details about that race day. Okay, well, you know, I thought going into a marathon, you always have nerves, but I felt that uh, because I had been there in 2009, I was in the age category 60 64. I placed sixth there, but I had a three hours and 36, 45. So, you know, I was second Canadian. And then I went back two years later, 2011, and I now was 332. I knocked off, you know, mm. four minutes. And I, but I only had fifth place this time. <laughs> <laughs> I came down one. And then first Canadian. So I did a little bit of research and I thought, you know, I should be able to hit the podium, but I did know that there's one lady that is like unbelievable. And I have some stats on her, Jeannie Rice, and she's 71 and I'm 72. So, I mean, she's one year younger, but it's pretty close. So I knew she had it because um, she has times I would never dream of, but we're listening to the rain. Uh, Janet Green's was our roommate there in uh, Boston, and it was just pounding rain. We thought, oh, not, not another year of, of rain, like 2018. <laughs> but then the sun came out, and the humidity came up. And my goal for that race, uh, according to my records, is three hours and 46. So I was ambitious. <laughs> I was happy with myself. I didn't get uptight because I wasn't going to get 346 or anything close to it <laughs> because it was so humid. And um, I just felt that zapping my energy and my pace. Mm-hmm. That pace I wanted to have was not going to be there. So I just said, okay, Roz, it's just what it is. Don't 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 worry. I don't, I have no idea where I'll place. <laughs> and I tend to think it's sort of a, 
the tortoise and the hare story because that genie rice was, had gone out like a rocket and at halfway point she was 14 minutes ahead of me oh. and then 35k she was six minutes ahead of me and at 40k draws the head by eight minutes wow and then by the finish i was ahead by six so it's safe to say she was going after the record that day, but as we've all done before, we kind of overestimate and think we feel so good or underestimate what the humidity, the impact right. of the humidity. And so she blew up essentially. She blew you. up and, and, and uh, the moral of the tale, find the pace that works for you and wow. uh, stay yeah. positive. But yeah. And what was your final time? Your final time was three hours, 53, 36. At 70 years old. Yeah, I was two years ago. I was just at 70. But actually, I've been bettering that time since. So. That's right, because that was 2019 spring, right? So then 2019 fall, you did another marathon. I and what Vic- was that? Yeah. I did Victoria, and I was 352.20. So I took off a little more, like a minute and 10. Oh, my goodness. And I've done a virtual here. The advantage of like a virtual, other than you can pick a, a route that you hope is the easiest you can find <laughs> but um you you don't have to worry about uh the preferred line you're take taking it strictly on time right 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 and you know when you do do a mar- uh, any race you have to figure well i better be faster than the, the time i really want because after i've done all the the, the corners that aren't perfect yeah. you know yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're, you're going to be you're going to be you're not have as good a time as you'd like right. so um yeah, so I, I did, uh, that was an Ottawa virtual. I was going to do Ottawa in the spring, eh, of 2020. Right. And uh, couldn't. So what did you do in your virtual marathon? Well, I did it in 350.52. Oh, my goodness, wow. Roz. <laughs> so it's a 528 <laughs> pace. So I'm, I'm, my goal is, my dream would be to get into the 40s there. So that would be great. I'm humbled. Like, seriously. <laughs> it's, it's a carbon shoe, eh? It's a uh, uh-huh. uh, vapor fly. Yeah, but you know what? A human being has to actually run that shoe. Yeah. So yeah. it's still pretty impressive. Could give you a minute or something, yeah. I was going to save that to talk about a little bit later, but it would be interesting to hear now, like you've probably seen all kinds of trends come and go in your time as a runner. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this this shoe is all anybody can talk about now, but I, I'd be curious, like what kinds of trends have you latched on to like what do you really like and what was kind of like a silly trend in your in your mind in retrospect well I guess a trend the compression socks I've oh. I've reworn them for marathons and, and even halves yeah and I they feel good uh, I like them but there's really isn't anything particularly factual about them right <laughs> making any big difference and they're not the night like I wear the full sock yeah. and they're not the nicest thing in your your foot no right. they're not so um but I think actually they might be better to wear after a marathon yes you know the recovery. Yeah, just well you're uh, recuperating and that, and that may help to get the blood circulation going and mm-hmm. stuff like that but I'm, I'm not uh, sold on them at this point but uh certainly worn them quite a bit and some things I think, well, the Garmin, I really think are great. Absolutely. Okay. So you like the technology. Yeah. I really a slave to it, I'm afraid. Uh, you know, things like, little things like arm warmers. Ah, uh, yes. They, they're really, really a uh, lifesaver. Yeah. Well, the running apparel, like the clothing is, is certainly come like leaps and bounds since 
back in the in the 70s and 80s, right? If I yes. think back to the Terry Fox and, and watching that, he's in like cotton, everything, yes. right? And there just wasn't options. So now we've got compression socks and material that wicks all the sweat away and the armbands. It's, yes. It really is kind of amazing how far yeah. it's come along. And it's, it would just be interesting to hear because you would have such a firsthand experience seeing how all of this has evolved and changed. I enjoy wearing a, a pace band too. Bob's better at setting up the computer program. But if you said, oh, this is the pace I want, this this number of Ks, another another pace for another bunch of Ks, you can put it into an Excel spreadsheet and get it cranked out. Hey? Okay. <laughs> I get it large enough so I could read. <laughs> Before we started recording this podcast, I said to Roz that she's more tech savvy than some of the 30-year-olds we've interviewed. And this just proves it. Like <laughs> spreadsheets and pace bands at age 70. This is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like having that. That's for yeah. sure. Well, I, I thought we could go back and close the loop on Boston. Yeah. If you don't mind, because I was super curious. Like, obviously, I'm not in a position to ever be winning, like, any age group, anything at Boston. And so what, how do they, like, what do you get for that? Like, did they give you a huge medal? Did they mail you something? Like, what did you uh, get for your win? Well, each time we've gone, um, like, I've gone with different friends from here and uh, Bob's come once of the three times, the very first time. But it's really, really worth going to the awards ceremonies in the, mm-hmm. one of the bed, nicer downtown Fairmont, I think, downtown hotels. And it, it, their ballroom, and it's just the colors are gorgeous, the blue and the gold, and they just make it a class act. Mm-hmm. It's inspiring seeing the, the older people gain up there. And I wasn't as old when I first went. <laughs> and it was, uh, the people are, are the athletes are just amazingly great shape. You know, here we are, 2019, the race is over. I'm the only, the first one back to the room. Uh, a couple of friends from, from Comox here had a room down the hall. So I presume they're back. But we all got together in our room and we're chattering away. We'd already had showers. This is where Bob should have been because we weren't watching the clock and it takes at least 10 to 15 minutes to get to the venue and we weren't going to make it on time. So as it happened, my sisters from Halifax were also there. So we all rushed. I debated taking the cab and Janet's probably right. Wouldn't have been any, not necessarily any faster. So we rushed in and we were hearing, oh, you know, it's a, 60-year-olds or 50-year-olds, we thought, oh, great, we're in time, on time. We haven't missed it. Well, no, they actually started with the older people first. Oh, so it was a major it. disappointment. Oh, man. Uh, amazing disappointment. And I didn't get a chance to even chat to that Janie Rice to see right. what was happening with her. And so, at any rate, you know, we stayed to the end. And it's a vase, very nice, deep vase, but kind of with a fluted kind of top. That flares out. Oh. It's a uh, really be nice for flowers. To have, you know, nice clear glass vase yeah. with the logo and everything. So I got up on the empty stage and <laughs> some pictures were taken, and that was that. Oh, so a bit anticlimactic then. Very anticlimactic, especially as my sisters hadn't seen me out in the course because we changed what where they're going to be, and you know, it's one uh-huh. of those things. They hadn't seen me in two thousand nine either. So oh, anyhow, oh. we had a lovely dinner that night. <laughs> Well, that's good. Okay, so I have two questions. First is, have you ever put flowers in that vase? Yeah, once. <laughs> okay. Uh, a functional prize is a good prize, yes. so that's good. Yes. Number two, what, if anything, have you changed about your training as you've gotten older? Well, Wayne was co- coaching us 
for Boston. And um, he was even suggesting that I have two days of rest. So Monday's always a traditional day of rest. I like to go skiing, but maybe only just do 45 minutes to an hour. So that's what I do. And if I don't go, that's good too. I think the biggest thing too is that um, like it's important to get um, not really cheat on that because it's really hard to to be effective the next day. Mm-hmm. I used to be able to go skiing uh, Tuesday morning and then do track at night. Mm-hmm. I, I can't do that. I just, okay, so just more time in between your workouts yeah. then. Yeah, and you know if I need a nap, sort of thing, just worrying if I don't sleep, lie down. I don't try and fight that kind of change in, in the body, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes it's it's people get into a routine, like this is what I do on Monday and this is what I do on Tuesday, and it's you need this new kind of weekly flow as the years tick on, right? Like every five years, you kind of have to reevaluate. That's right. So it sounds like you are in tune enough with your body and your you understand how the body works and training works. Maybe that's your your education in, in physical education, right, too? A little bit? Yes. Yeah, a little bit, I think, yeah. But has yeah. it pretty much kept you out of the injury cycle? Like, have you dealt with many injuries in your career? Um, I've been pretty good with injuries. Yeah, really, in the scheme of things, I haven't had any major stuff. Uh, I had one injury that was kind of acute. It was after a marathon I should. I try not to go. Um, don't run hard for a month after a marathon, and I'm not always good at, at keeping to that. So this was a case where I got out running. And I was with Andrea, and uh, I was running on the edge of the road, but actually my foot slipped off the asphalt and the, the drop off to the actual um, gravel on the side, and I yeah, it's basically twisted the ankle. But it wasn't the traditional one. I kind of got a little bit of the uh, Achilles, but to one side, and I. I just uh, found I couldn't get rid of it and became more chronic. So I ended up going to a physio clinic that does shockwave treatment. It was successful. You go back uh, taking these treatments for a few months. You can run if you want to, if you if it feels okay, but don't if it doesn't. You know. Yeah. And I, I don't think I really did run. I just well got on an elliptical machine and things like that, cross train, mm-hmm. um, and it did work. It went. But that, so that was an acute one, but I've had uh, my post-tibial tendon got mm. strained, and um, that took quite a while. I ended up getting orthotics, but that took a while for it to settle down. So I, and I, that was, I think, the year 2016 when I wanted to do Boston again, and I just had to, I had registered, but I didn't go. Mm. Fortunately, Janet, who goes for every Boston, she was able to pick up my shirt, so I appreciated that. <laughs> <laughs> well, over a 35 to 40 year running career to have some tendonitis and a, a little bit of a, you know, a few issues. It's really mind blowing. That's it's great. Yeah. 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 So you alluded to earlier, Roz, that you had been coached by Wayne. Yeah. Wayne Crow, who we had on our podcast a few weeks ago. I'm curious, what do you like about having a coach? How has a coach helped you? Well, I listened to his podcast and I know that he, he kind of um, downplays the coaching part and talks to like <laughs> being mentored. I challenged him on that, yes. <laughs> yes. And, and it is a bit like, especially this past year, has definitely been more of a, a mentoring. He He's really been good at getting a plan together for us and lays out the plan. But before we he develops that plan, he will get from us 
what our paces are now for various mm-hmm. uh, distances and what our goal uh, might be for a marathon, mm-hmm. uh, if that's what you're going for. Or half. It's, we're all doing marathons, actually, so the four of us. So he takes that information and then works it into a plan. And this is on a Google calendar. So then you just look at what's coming up, report on what we've done, and he, he can see that. And he also wants us to put in the perceived level of um, effort. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it's, it's worked out well. And then maybe midway through, we might get together, uh, not this year, but uh, and just see how things are going. But most definitely, uh, three weeks before the marathon date, we get together and he goes through the, uh, the, the taper period. Mm. And, you know, he really has very good suggestions on how he can taper effectively. Seems to be working for you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) And I think what a lot of people like about having the coach is just that person, like you don't have to think about the plan. You just know it's in the Google calendar. You're accountable to him, right? He's he's kind of watching uh, watching over. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And and there is something really awesome about that. Like it's a it's a partnership, right? Right. Yeah. So he's certainly there for advice and I've been really I guess, uh, negligent and getting, getting on to asking for advice and kind of, it, it, we don't see each other the same way, like at track. So it's always, you know, an extra email or something. Hey? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know this year has been so bizarre in so many ways, right? <laughs> yeah. So he's on your support team and you've mentioned your husband a couple of times. So I'm curious about two things. Does your husband run? That's number one. And then if he does or if he doesn't, I'm curious how else he supports you. Like we always think running is this like individual thing, right? This individual pursuit. But we all know as runners that it really takes a team. So we're hearing about some of your support team. I'm curious about your where your husband fits into that. Yeah, he did run a little bit in Yellowknife, kind of pre-skiing. And at this point, he, he does do really brisk walking with poles. But he's had knee, knee surgery way back when. And it, like running just, would, it just wouldn't work. Yeah, okay. So that's fair enough. But I mean, he's great support in that he prepares all the meals. Amazing. <laughs> and he eats gluten-free. Now, that doesn't mean that I... I can't have bread, but then all the pasta is gluten-free. So ah. he's kind of on a FOD. Low FODMAP. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Diet. So there aren't salads and such. So certain, he'll have lettuce, but not necessarily salads. But so the meals are tend to be quite plain. But, you know, that makes it easy for me to digest them mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. And because he does do some cross-country ski racing and, and loppets, which are like marathons, he, he knows the importance of training. And he does uh, cycle hard, um, mm-hmm. so he's, he's active in his own way. When it comes to the races, certainly Victoria, and well, we've got, he's gone to Chicago. Boston, repeating Boston is a hard one to do, So, but he's gone to Eugene twice with me. He always gets around the course on foot, always gets it sussed out so he knows how he can get to very, as many places as he can. And then in Victoria, he takes his bike, which is great. That's awesome. And he can get around the course that way. And then, of course, just kind of focusing in on the day before the event, uh, the marathon, he he usually goes out walking or hits a bookstore or something. So I, I can rest and, and it really is quiet. And, um, you know, that's really, it's really appreciative. It's really kind to be uh, kind of in sync with each other that way. Well, it sounds like you have amazing support. And like you said, being in sync with each other, you're, you're different, but you're still in sync. Yeah. And that's, 
That's special. Yeah. So running is a mental game as much as it is a physical game, as we all know, for longer distances. Do you think that your lifelong experience with running has helped you with that mental game? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Visualization. I know in the running room, that was a program uh, that we had in Yellowknife. John Stanton had come up one time to to a marathon and he he took us through a visualization the day before. So you all sat in a big circle and and, uh, closed your eyes. And that was really fun to have somebody take you through something like that. Mm. And I have his, his book as well. It's really good just to kind of think of all the things that you want to be doing and, and actually knowing the course, if you're not familiar with getting around it before you go really, really helps. But uh, the mental part, 2015 marathon, they had a guest speaker, Margaret Webb, Victoria marathon, and she wrote a book, older, faster, stronger. Now she was in her early fifties, but she was very motivational and, um, I found that was really, really helpful. I mean, I've heard about mantras, but I hadn't really, really used them. And uh, staying positive really kind of resonated at that point. Well, the next day was gorgeous day. And I set a record <laughs> that day. I was thinking of everything she was saying. And that was when I was uh, 65, 69. It was 339, 35. Wow. So I wanted to break a 340, and I was able to. And so happy to to do that but it, I think it was really her positive mm-hmm. talk you know and she calls it check-ins so you can have a, a technical check-in like uh, your running form posture stride arm swings you know are your shoulders relaxed and then tactical like um, saying things like feeling strong mm-hmm. you know doing well you know staying focused but just being really kind to yourself, really. Yeah. And say, okay, maybe that kilometer wasn't great, but we'll be good. You know, you're doing okay. The, the other thing that's a bit tactical is uh, walking through water stations. I think it, it really helps me recuperate some. Well, in fact, a lot of my marathons in the earlier days where I had good times were the 12 and ones or 15 and one, uh, which is a Stanton thing. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> I, I think there's a really good place for it because I could, if I was really on my game, I'd catch the people I was with before. So it's like, right. okay, I got, I got a break and I'm right there with you. <laughs> so that's all very positive and, you know, it keeps you, keeps you going. Well, and I think like you said, it, it's how you relate to that because if you're relating to that as like, oh, what's wrong with you? Why are you taking a walking break? Like that's a different yes. set of self-talk, like mentally that lands with you differently than if you said, oh, look at me, I'm, I'm conserving my energy. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to catch up to all these people that have mismanaged their energy, you know? So it's just subtle, but I think that probably comes with experience. Like you've raced however many 25, 30 marathons at this point that you just start to learn like what works and what doesn't for you. That's right. And I think sort of the hardcore people, they just think, oh, you can't walk. Right. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. It's it's old fashioned thinking really. Now at some point, like a sub 30, I don't think you can get a walk in the sub, you know, if you walked and tried to get it less, at some point you just don't get the really fast time. Right. Right. Yeah. But like you were saying, as you've gotten older, you've just 
uh, respected and appreciated. Oh, I need a, an extra recovery day between hard workouts. So maybe that along that same line of thinking, it's okay, I'm going to give myself permission to walk a minute every 10 minutes or every 15 minutes or yeah. whatever. And that's kind of like your competitive edge in a way, yeah. <laughs> because then other people in your category are out with injuries or what, what have you. So that's I right. find it all super fascinating. And I know you have so much range. Like you have Canadian records, I believe in the 8k, the half marathon, the full marathon. But I was curious if you ever thought about competing in events that are, you know, way shorter or way longer, like does the 1500 or anything on the track tempt you or do ultra marathons tempt you? Well, the ultras really don't because I just don't think I'm really not built for that. Mm -hmm. I don't see myself doing that. And the track, I could see that. The one downside about track is that you really don't get that many events. Even in BC, you know, really, the depth might not really be there too much. But you could join the uh, kids' events, and I know that they have got the, the open category and so on. But, mm -hmm. yeah, Ontario's been up, but it's a real hotbed. But um, yeah, it is possible. I, I've thought, you know, if I... As I get older, I might consider doing that. But then again, I think, well, maybe I'd do more 5 and 10K. Right. Yeah. 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 That would be fine, too. <laughs> Obviously, there's something about marathons or, or running in general that really fires you up. Mm -hmm. If you were to try to put words to that, what is it? Like, what do you love so much about running? Well, it, it is that nice feeling that you have from work your hardest and that you should be happy with whatever you've had. I don't think I've really been all that disappointed about any race, really. It may not have been a great day. If if you did what you could do and it, it, within your control, then I, that's all you can hope for. But Like you've never gone out and totally bombed a race before? Come on, Ross. No, I have got like, <laughs> I have had too many gels and got yeah. sick midway through the course. Yeah. Uh, happened in Eugene, but I got that out of my system. It's like, okay, I feel fine. Let's go on. Well. <laughs> And uh, I think at this point, too, it's, it's you're not looking for faster times, obviously, but it's looking for keeping the time as low as you possibly can yeah. and looking for goals within that. So it's always, um, okay, I've, I've inched into the 350s, but can I not get it back to 340s? Yeah. And what, what can I do to make that happen? And even taking satisfaction, seeing if I, where I am next to people who are um, younger than I am. Yeah. So the younger age categories, and it's pretty satisfying if I'm a lot faster than them. Yeah, so. yeah. So you're a little bit competitive. A little bit of, um, <laughs> I let's just call it pride or something. I I, so, it sounds like a pretty healthy competitiveness yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's nice getting around, especially the Island Series, is meeting people that you haven't seen, you know, for a while. It'd be great getting back in person next year. And uh just competing against others. It's, it's just a great, great feeling. Yeah. It's a, it's a great community that you've got there on the Island. So I'm sure even just going to these events and running into those people that, you know, it kind of becomes like a little, like your social circle too, in a way. Yeah. 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 Well, the name of this podcast is Inspired Souls. So we always like to ask people who inspires you and why. Well, uh, Jeannie Rice, the woman who I beat in Boston. Yes. She had set the world record for the um, marathon in, in Berlin mm -hmm. in uh, 2019. 
She's done about a thousand races, so I mean, like, it's <laughs> oh not a big deal to have certainly two or three in a year. But this would be good spacing. She set a world class age record in Berlin, and she ran three twenty four forty eight. Oh my goodness! Yeah, <laughs> that's wow. <laughs> she had set the record before in Chicago, but she took three minutes off that time. So, like, she had three twenty seven before. Can you believe it? Wow, that it was she a like an Olympian or something back in the day? No, um, she's originally from uh, Korea, and she came to the United States when she was about eighteen. And one, uh, she's about thirty three or so. She went back this on this one trip to see family in Korea, and she found that she was putting on weight. And she thought, oh goodness, that, that, this is not going to work. She's only five two. Hmm. And uh, she gets back to the States and, okay, I guess I'll do some running. Well, after about a year, she was just like going and uh, she's just physically gifted. It's wow. a term people use. She can do 20 miles six times a week. Wow. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> even now? Even now. Yeah. And actually she was saying, uh, partly why she did so well in uh, Berlin was that she was using some of those 20 miles like she was really increasing her pace a lot in each of those long runs. So Absolutely. there's some genetics in that. Yeah. For sure. yeah. She wow. started in 1984 and she's 36. <laughs> and the other one is more local is Diane Palmason. Oh, oh yeah. yes. And she's in her mid eighties now. She goes back a long ways to the sixties. And I think she was really, really good as a track person in her teens, but she is referenced in this older, faster, stronger She's quoted a couple times there, but she's um, she's doing well, and she was in Comox. Yeah, that's amazing. So, do you have any advice, Roz, for someone who is younger who wants to keep running? Younger, let's say me in my mid forties. I'm so much younger. Who wants to keep running into their seventh and eighth decade? What's your top advice? Well, it's it's good if you can get on top of anything that's sort of niggling. Mm. Like, don't let it niggle long and, yeah. and get in and get it looked at. Mm-hmm. So it's a um, pro-had is what I think that's Jeannie's expression, actually. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's not running through things for sure. You know, some, to some extent, there's there's a bit of luck to it, don't you think, too? Potentially, yeah. Yeah. But being smart and listening to your body is super yes, important. And, like, you know, I suppose some... You know, I don't know how much pain I can tolerate either, actually, but not so much pain, where not the part where you're injured, but actually where you're hurting just mm-hmm. from the exertion. Um, most often, mentally, you're just saying, this is enough. But, you know, I think sometimes people don't always push themselves as hard as they could. Yeah. They don't know what it feels like to really, really push themselves either. Yeah. Now, that's not you, Carol. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, I've seen that before with, with young skiers, they, they get nervous about that feeling and they hold back. Right. But, um, you know, if, if a person can embrace it, I guess, and yeah. feel the pain yeah. uh, and, and kind of work through it, it, that's rewarding in itself too. This is fascinating to me because so often we talk to, I talk to older runners and it's the exactly what you said listen to your body, address the niggles, take care of yourself, have enough recovery. But I've never heard anybody before say, you need to keep pushing yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's so true. Like, as you get older, like you said, 
rather than get faster, you just don't want to slow down. Right. So just not accepting complacency and lethargy as normal with aging Right. I think it's key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, that's it. Like it's, um, you know, if you get injured or you lay off the speed work for very long, it, it's just that much harder to come back. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I, it's, it's trying to do the best you can with, um, with what you got yeah. for sure. And try not to try and get your times as close as you've had them before. And it's a lot of satisfaction if you can hold it there. Oh gosh. If you can, improve better still <laughs> that's amazing for that age yeah yeah but it's um people have to want to to do that too so way i look at our run clinic and i do work the strongest group and there are some that have some background in it but others are really new to it and it's not something that they're going to pick up in a short even eight weeks we really encourage people to come to the track because um we have workouts that are like say two of these, or you can go, you can do two, or you can do five, you know, or right. do something in between. Right. It's your choice, and so it it really becomes quite individual, and you hope that it's less threatening. But there does seem to be a bit of a block I've noticed. Yes, people wanting to or thinking they belong on the track doing That's the right. speed work. They think they have to be super fast in order to get there, and it's like no, you you get fast by going there and doing the workouts. I think it's the bar is lower for people to enter running when they think it's just the easy jogging part of running, but not the fast workout. So I'm, I'm always trying to like crack into that. Like, what is that all about? Is it an intimidation or what's going on that prevents people from engaging with that kind? Cause that's, what's going to really make you better. Right. right. And I mean, it's all a question of what you, what you want to get out of it, too. I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing it very recreationally. At some point, I should do that and I might enjoy the scenery more. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't got to that point uh, yet. Well, it sounds but, like yeah. it sounds like you're living the best of both worlds there, I think. So. Oh, thanks. Aww. Well, we have some rapid fire questions that we usually close with. And I we did send them to you in advance. So are you all set to yep. go with those? All right. So the first one is, what is your favorite mantra when you're running? I think uh, one can be uh, uh, just feeling strong, doing well, yeah, and then feel the crowd. Excellent. Okay. So our second question is, what is your favorite place to run? If you could be dropped anywhere on the planet to run right now, where would it be? Well, I think um, the one-spot trail here, and then uh, if I'm in Victoria, uh, it would be Oak Bay, Uplands, and and along Dallas Road, right down at the water. I know you've done so, so many races, but we're curious if you have still a race on your bucket list. Well, um, Berlin would be great. It's one of the majors, but... Uh, as well, uh, the Toronto waterfront, and it's it's the fastest and flattest in Canada, so that's yeah. that would be great. Do you have a favorite running book or movie? Well, um, I've, I've mentioned that older, faster, stronger, but the other one is Girl Runner. Oh. It's a novel, oh, yes. Canadian, Carrie Snyder with a Y, and she's from Waterloo, Ontario. And it's based on the 1928 Amsterdam Olympics, although they don't say 1928, but that's, yes. there's talking Olympics yes. <laughs> and the talking Amsterdam. So, 
And it was the first time women could run track. So there's factual and then there's a fictitious person that they have uh, winning for Canada. But I checked the records. Canada didn't win (laughs) or place. But uh, at the finish line uh, of the 800, like five, it's hard to know, but a number of women collapsed, you know, that just they'd zapped themselves. Uh, and then this distance um, was, cons- this was just horrifying. And so women were b- banned from track at, t- at that distance. That was the only distance, the longest distance they're allowed to do. Uh, they're banned till 1960. I know. Can you believe it? Yeah. Crazy. But I think I'd collapse right now if I ran an 800. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think a lot of the men collapse when they run an That's 800. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and of course it wasn't good for the reproductive right. and all that. Um, and then, of course, they weren't in the marathon until 1967 with yeah. Uh, yeah. Boston, Catherine Switzer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got to get yeah, her so, on the podcast. Has she been an inspiration to you at all? She uh, she has yeah. been, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Great book. Amazing. We had a previous guest actually recommend that book, and so I picked it up and read it, and you're right. It is, it's is—it's a page-turner. It was really, really good. I liked it. Yeah. I, I like the way it was written uh, sort of in, uh, in the old style, mm. you know, yep. of, of the way the, uh, the, of that era in the 20s. Yes. Uh, the, the two women growing their experiences running together. That was really quite something. Yeah. yeah. Final question. Do you have a favorite post-run indulgence? Sure. Uh, beef burger and fries and uh, and a beer. Glad to hear Wayne would take he wanted to be a, a, uh, fries. I didn't hear him talking alcohol, but he does have a little bit. And uh, then I guess I should say lots of water. Yeah. 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 Well, that was really an amazing conversation. I'm sure a lot of listeners will be just fascinated to uh, spend some time with you. Do you have any final thoughts? Anything you'd like to share with our listeners before we close? Uh, that I think that's it. Um, we we're looking forward to our little uh, foursome here. Looking forward to the BMO Vancouver. And I think we're going to run it on the day it is scheduled, if it were to happen. It's not happening. And it's May 2nd, but we have a whole month to do it in, actually. But uh, hoping to keep running. Well, that's what I was going to say. So no plans to stop. You're going to run into your 80s and 90s. And you've just been such an incredible inspiration and and role model to all of us. And it, it excites me very much to think about running for the next three, four, five decades as well. So thank you for continuing to run and run so well and set the bar high for all of us. Well, thank you so much for spending time and hearing my story. I've enjoyed it. Thanks, Roz. 